All right, hallelujah. It's Pastor Dell, he's going to be preaching today. And uh, Jesus is here. When Jesus shows up, he usually wants to do something. He wants to do something. He wants to say something. Uh, hallelujah. And uh, we just want to continue to flow in that right now. I want everyone just to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Hallelujah. But I've come to the place where, um, where Jesus, Jesus is the most important. 
And I'm coming to the place where I, I'm beginning to understand that. That my love for God surpasses what people think. It surpasses what people say. So I, 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 just, I just got my guitar the other day and I, I was sitting down and I was saying, Lord, you, you know those giddy feelings you get when you're around your girlfriend or your boyfriend and you guys are going on a date and it's the first couple dates? It's just, I, I said, Lord, I feel like I'm in my first love with you all over again. And I just, I just started singing this what I sing. I said, roses are red and violets are blue. Sugar is sweet, but Jesus, you are sweeter. Hmm. Oh, you sent your one and only son to die for me because I'm your favorite one. Hmm. And though I'm breaking all the rules that they told me, I am tearing down the walls of religion. Nothing's gonna hold me back from you. I don't know about you this morning, but nothing's gonna hold me back. Oh, not time, not money. No, 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 no. Ha. So I see roses are red and violets are blue. Sugar is sweet, but Jesus, you are sweeter. Oh, you see, he sent his one and only son to die for me because I'm his favorite one. So just lift your hands and just sing Jesus. Just sing Jesus. Oh, come on, that's why we came. Just sing Jesus. That's why we've come this morning. Just sing Jesus. Come on, sing it out to the Lord. Sing Jesus. Oh, what song can we bring? Oh, what kind of offering? Just sing Jesus. Come on, just a couple more times. Come on, what if it's one more time that it takes for the Holy Spirit to break through? What if it's just one more song? What if today is the day we've been praying for? What if today is the day we've been waiting for? Huh? He loves to hear his name. He loves to hear his name. Come on, just sing Jesus. Just sing Jesus. And just sing Jesus. Oh, daughter, I love you. I've chosen you. And sometimes you felt so overlooked and ashamed. But today the Lord says I've come to point at you. I've come to even call you out by name. You are not forgotten. You're not abandoned. You have not been left aside on the road just to die. And see, sometimes you felt, Lord, I'm going in circles. 
in circles in circles and I feel so frustrated I don't know what to do hmm. will I lose my mind that's what you said to the Lord you said will I lose my mind yeah. and the Lord says yes <laughs> he says yes huh. uh See, you, you've, you've come from this place where you've been overlooked and you've been, um, it's like, you know, you're playing dodgeball and you're the last kid to get plicked. And, but here's what the Lord says. He says, he says, the last, they're gonna be first. Huh. He says, the last, they're gonna be first. And it's a new season. Yeah. He says it's a new season. It's a year of jubilee that's paid off. Ha! Come on. Reconciliation for your house. And the Lord says, even I'm getting ready to bring a wave of peace to your family. There's a wind of peace that's getting ready to come to your family. And you said, Lord, there's storms and they've been raging. But the Lord says, it's a year of jubilee. Oh, I want you to just stretch your hands this way. I want you to pray for her like you want somebody to pray for you right now. Come on. We just declare it's a year of jubilee. Debt's paid off. Reconciliation. The favor of the Lord. Come on. Pray like you want somebody praying for you. Hey. Oh. Hey. Shamama. Yeah, just lift them all the way up. Just lift them all the way up. Because the Lord says, it's the year of Jubilee. Oh, oh, you're going to dance like you've never danced before. You're going to sing like you've never sang before. Oh, it's a new season. A new season, says the Lord. Oh, it's a new, 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 new season. New season, says the Lord. Ha, yeah. So listen. Just say Jesus. So you don't even have to say it really loud. You can say, just say Jesus. Oh, he hears your whispers. Just, just say Jesus. Oh, no other name I know. Just say Jesus. I don't know if you know this. But he is Alpha and Omega, yes he is. He's the beginning and sure enough, he is the end. He's my Messiah, Savior, but my closest friend. And his name is Jesus. Just grab your Bibles as you sing that. Just sing Jesus. Just grab your Bibles. Keep standing. Jesus. Oh, he's here right now. Jesus. It's the name the enemy hates. Just say Jesus. Oh, I don't know if you came expecting this morning, but I feel Jesus. <laughs>
Turn your Bibles to the book of Malachi. Jesus. Just sing The book of Malachi, the fourth chapter. You just keep playing over there. I like it. Jesus. I'm telling you, some of you have gone through a season in this last season where you just kind of throw your hands up and you say, God, I don't know what I can do. I feel like giving up. I feel like throwing in the towel. I can't admit it. I can't, I can't admit it, but the Lord says, I have seen that heart. And today, I, I don't know if you even sense it already, but the Lord says, I'm getting ready to bring a shift in your life. Some of you have been so, you've, you've been called to be an intercessor and you've been standing on the front wall and you've been saying, God, I'm tearing up. I'm, I'm going all for it, for your kingdom, but I feel so tired inside. Well, you know what the Lord's coming to do? He's coming to bring a refreshing glass of water. Some of you have been hidden on the backside of the desert. I'm telling you, it's the backside of God that I want to see. Moses saw the backside of God and he was never the same. See, it's only God where you can look at his backside and be changed. Come on. Are you at Malachi chapter 4? Malachi chapter 4, just one verse, verse 6. It says, He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. God, we thank you so much for your word that it gives life. Your word gives life, Lord, and we thank you that there is life in this house this morning, God, that we can sense your presence. And all we're asking, you're already here, so we just say increase. We just say increase. We want more. I just want you to say that out. Just say more. Just say we want more of you, God. That's why we've come. We sing Jesus. We sing Jesus. We sing Jesus. One more time, just sing it out. Just sing Jesus. You can be seated this morning. Thank you. Why don't you give that worship team a big round of applause? Didn't they do awesome? Oh, come on. You should appreciate them a little bit more. They're awesome. I had a friend of mine, Mr. Soundman, just give me some more sound. I need to hear myself. I'm my favorite preacher. I had a, I had a, a friend of mine who travels and speaks a little bit more than me, and he said, uh, Dell, I have uh, been to more churches than Jesus has been to. I said, Brother, Jesus, what do you mean you've been to more churches than Jesus has been to? He said, I've been to some churches where I know Jesus hasn't shown up. <laughs> And it, um, okay, awesome. Try to hold me down. Um, but it's something when you can come to a church and actually get into the presence of God. So you should be great, uh, grateful and, and quite thankful that your worship team understands the value of getting in the presence of God. But not only that, the awesome men and women God has allowed to be the shepherds of this house, your pastors, Pastor Lee, why don't you give them a big round of applause? Oh, come on. Really appreciate him. Show him some love. I'm telling you, if you don't show him some love, I'm going to steal him from you. How are you feeling this morning? Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? David said, I came running when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. There's something about when you're a person of faith and you get next to a person of faith, that's just combo faith. 
The devil can't take that. And this morning, I, I, I was on my uh, uh, getting ready to uh, come on this trip, and um, I was praying to the Lord uh, for for ministry and all that stuff, and what the Lord would have me minister. And as I, I began to pray, I really didn't get a sensing of what the Lord wanted to do or how He wanted to do it. And so, um, when you can't figure it out, you need to get somebody else to help you figure it out. And so, I got a group of intercessors together that regularly pray for me and my ministry, and um, they came together and they were able to uh, pray and sense out what the Lord is. Um, doing in Korea just a bit. And I feel like this morning, and before I get into this, I'm going to go, go somewhere else. Um, but I, I feel like this morning, what God wants to tell Korea is that he's not just a God. He's not just a Lord. He's not just Jehovah. He's not just Adonai. He's not just El Shaddai. But we have got to begin to understand the aspect of the fatherhood of God. Okay, I don't know if you've ever been to a black church before. But I'm going to give you a couple of lessons. Have you ever been to a movie with black people? We are just loud all together. So I'm going to need you to talk back to me or I'll feel a little insecure. Just throw me a couple amens every now and then. I just, I just got one rule when I'm preaching. If I'm preaching good, you got to say amen. You say, Pastor Dell, what if you're not preaching good? You need to pretend like it was good anyway and say amen. It'll cause me to preach shorter and we'll get out here and eat faster. Because the Lord loves BB Bob. I've got some CDs right in the back seat there. If somebody could run and grab those up, uh, grab those for me. It's in the back corner seat. Um, I would just want to kind of present those. I, I, um, my name is Dell. I am an assistant pastor in a church called Promised Land Fellowship over in San Francisco, California. Do we have anybody from California here? Wow. We'll cast whatever that is out later. Um, I'm from a place called San Francisco, California, from a church called Promised Land, and we send our love and our greetings all the way over there. Um, and God is doing some spectacular things. We've seen in the past year, we started having revival meetings, and uh, we saw one lady who wasn't even a believer. One of my favorite stories, she comes in with a tumor the size of a, about an, a large orange um, on the side of her, and she's walking with a cane because she can barely walk. And as she walks in, we catch her, and we, we I don't know about you, but we hate sickness. We don't think it's from God. We don't think any of it's from God. We don't think God's using it. I can't, haven't found a place in the Bible where God blessed a sickness and said, Oh, let it teach you a lesson, brother. I, didn't, I, don't, I don't see that in Jesus. Um, so I, we, we looked at her and we said, Okay. There's our latest victim right there. We're just going to go after her. So our pastors began to pray for her and lay hands on her. Within minutes, she was completely healed. The tumor fell off literally. But here's my favorite part. See, this is I love when unbelievers get touched by the Holy Spirit because they don't know how to behave. So she started walking around the church cussing. <laughs> so, what the F did you guys do to me? What the? It was like, okay, sister, testify. Testify. <laughs> so, we saw another young lady uh, come in. Or she wasn't young. She was... I won't say old. I don't like to say the word old. Chronologically challenged. Uh, she came into our church and she uh, had about three or four doctors, really intelligent women, had given up on God, didn't really believe in God, had gone through over 12 surgeries, was on 50 pounds or 25 pounds of medication, was on a constant morphine drip. She's walking in on a walker and she ends up in our church and we're looking at her salvating. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Go get you good. <laughs> so we started praying for her and we were believing God. And again, she had gone through 12 surgeries. Nothing had helped. She was like the woman with the issue of blood. She had spent all she had and still had not gotten better. She had only gotten better. It is a dangerous thing that when you base your theology on what God has not done. Many of us begin to base our theology on what God has not done. And so instead of getting better, we get bitter. That's another sermon. <laughs> 
So she came in and we began to pray for her within days was completely healed. Stood before the doctor. Doctor said, I don't know what's going on. This is impossible. You, it was, you were, should have been dead. You should uh, be on your way to dying. Now she's completely physically restored within days. Is traveling the country, sharing her testimony, and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know why? Because we serve the God who's still alive. It, it's, it's just true. I don't know how to put it any plainer than that. And so we have just gotten so hungry for the presence of God where we're at, where we have just messed up our services. People come in our church and they just can't understand. Most of them think we're in a cult. <laughs> it's cool. Jesus loves us. And so you'll come into our church and we'll see people thrown out on the floor, just worshiping the Lord, uh, unab- abandoned and just going forward in God. We, we were the type to wear, you know, all the suits and ties and all that stuff. And then we realized it, our clothes got dirty when we would get slain in the spirit. And so we just started going for the Lord all the way. Um, so we just having a good time in San Francisco. If you're ever around, come and check us out. But I lead a couple ministries. One is called the outpouring and the outpouring is a ministry where we gather young adults and, and teenagers, um, to get in the presence of God. I travel all over the world all the time. And one of the things that grieves my heart, and I believe it grieves the heart of God, is that most of our churches, which are, which are built to be temples of the Holy Spirit, lack the ones whom they were built for. It is the saddest thing to go into a service and hear them singing about songs about a God that they don't know. And inviting a spirit that they aren't familiar with. And so I got this um, thing where in my heart where I believe Acts chapter 2 is not something in history, but it's a prophecy for the future of things that are to come. And so we began to go after it and we started gathering thousands of young people and we do it all over the world, Singapore, all over Asia and the Philippines. Um, and we just gather thousands of young people and we say, hey, we've got a semi agenda, but the Holy Spirit can come in and whack us up and do whatever he wants. And we have had young people come in, get saved, get delivered. We had one girl come into one of our meetings um, over in San Francisco and she had come in and she was a pastor's daughter and she was manically depressed and she was suffering from the disease where she cuts herself because she doesn't feel like she's beautiful. And she'd been doing it for four years, got instantaneously healed in her heart, had no desire to cut herself, is now beginning a ministry that's leading girls into total restoration out of depression. That's a good place to give the Lord a praise right there. Come on. And so we're seeing God do awesome things. We, uh, we have amazing worship bands from Bethel and Jesus Culture and different ones come together. And we're trying to plan something here in Korea. So pray that God makes it happen. So we can, come on. How many people say that we need an outpouring? Come on. And another organization that I lead. It's called Mahal Foundation. And Mahal Foundation, we, Pastor, talked to you a little, I don't know if it was here or downstairs. Um, but what, one of the things God spoke to me, I have a huge heart for the Philippines. Um, and I believe God's going to use the Philippines for this end time revival. And so I've spent a lot of my focus in ministering to the Filipino community. And one of the things I said to God, I said, Lord, I really want to help the suffering and the abuse in the Philippines. But I am tired of asking church people for money. If you're a pastor, you'll say amen right there. Um, And I said, Lord, there is a scripture that says that the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. Now, a lot of Christians can preach that, but they have no idea what that looks like or what that, how that plays out in our daily lives. And so I said, Lord, I'm not going to get money from the churches. I'm not going to get money from the Christians. I'm going after the most wicked of wicked to pay for my outreaches. That's not the kind of reaction that I got from most people, you know. 
They said, I can't believe it. It's not going to happen. Well, within, we haven't even been around for a year. And I don't know if you, what you, we're going to pray for the Philippines in just a minute. I don't know if you've uh, seen or known what has happened uh, recently, but there have been two typhoons, uh, more than a category five that have hit the Philippines within the past seven days. And so we have gone in there and we've partnered with people like the Black Eyed Peas and some other uh, artists. And we're partnering with K-pop because everybody loves K-pop. With some K-pop artists here to do some fundraising, but in the month of October, um, we're, we're raising uh, close to $250,000 so that we can feed um, hundreds of thousands of people and minister to them. But here's the cool thing. So we're getting all this money from the wicked people, from the sinners, and we're, and we're telling them, bro, you know, we're going to get your money, and we're just going to preach the gospel, and we're going to do whatever it takes to let them see the light of God. And so we take that money, we transfer it over to the believer's side, Watch this. And now we have a tent where we have about 300 uh, doctors and dentists and people sign up to get care from our doctors and dentists. And before they can sign up to get care, they have to sign an agreement that says before we actually work on you medically, we have to pray for your divine healing. We have we started uh, doing something I call Mahal Block Party, because if you can't tell, I like to eat. I don't know why you're laughing. Oh, but one of the things I love to do, because I, I believe that feeding people's faces will help you feed their heart. And, and so we've started to have these Mahal block parties. And basically we gather um, all this concert stuff and the stages. And we just have all you can eat, everything. And we just go for it. And we just preach the gospel. And people are getting saved by the hundreds and thousands. And, and guess what? We're not paying for it. The devil's paying for it. Come on. Oh, how many people know that the devil's real upset about that? You make him pay for outreaches, he will not like that. But let me tell you something. The church has been paying for the devil's stuff for a long time. Over 51% of men in the church deal with addiction to pornography. But I'm believing that God in this season is... The Lord spoke to me right before I came to Jubilee. and Or not before I came to Jubilee, before I came to Korea. And he said, it's a year of Jubilee. I said, Lord, it's not January. He says, I don't care. <laughs> He says, it starts now. And I said, Lord, it's a year. He said, yeah, it's a year. But you got to understand my mindset. My years are way longer than yours. He says a day is like a thousand. Imagine one year. The Lord said there is a whole year of Jubilee. So if you need your debts paid off, this is the year. Come on, if you're tired of being single and you need to get married, this is your year. Somebody say amen. So we want you, we want you to uh, just check that out on the table. I have some CDs that I brought. I'm going to preach, I promise. I have some CDs that I brought. And everything that you purchase today will go directly to helping out our orphans and our projects in the Philippines with the poor. Um, but I have some CDs. I have a good friend. Her name is Cindy Jacobs. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. She's got kind of this little on-the-side ministry. Um, and, and I brought a couple of her CDs and a few of mine and a couple of other friends that we have come through our church. But this CD is called Intercession That Ripens the Harvest. Understand something. Korea is ready for one of the greatest harvests that it has ever seen. But it's not going to happen until the church moves into a place of prayer. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 9, I believe, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send workers. We look at that scripture and we think that that is an invitation for God to send out the evangelists and to send out the missionaries. When in actuality, it's an invitation to pray. 
He doesn't say, go out and do the evangelism and pick. He says, it's ready. You just need to pray. And so this CD, you, you got to get. You just got to get. I'm just going to put it out there. It is, it is an invitation to you not just to become a prayer warrior, but to become an intercessor for the harvest of Korea. And so we have another CD out there from Cindy. It's actually a DVD. And she came about two years ago, to almost three years ago now. Um, no prophets wanted to come to San Francisco. No apostles wanted to come to San Francisco. We were just the driest land. We never had any guest speakers. It was just us toiling in. And about two or three years ago, the Lord gave me a dream. And in the dream, I saw San Francisco like a dry desert. And in this dry desert, and mind you, I'm only 23 now. So I was about 21, 20 years old back then. And in the dream, I see this dry desert. And the Lord shows me that it's San Francisco. And I look at it, and then all of a sudden, in my spirit, in the dream, I knew that I was supposed to call the prophet. And so I called the prophet, and the prophet came to the dry land. And as they began to speak over the dry land, this, this life began to flow up from the dry land. And by the time the, the prophet was finished prophesying, there was crazy life all over, this, all over the land. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, I want you to bring in the prophets. And he said, don't bring in the minor prophets. Bring in the major prophets. He says, I I want you to go all out and you'll watch and you'll see I will bring a transformation to this region. And so I'm 21 years old. And the first question, whenever the Lord says to do something, our first question is how. God taught me something recently. He said, you got to get the how out of here. God's funny like this, where he'll tell you where you're going and he'll tell you the what, but he won't give you the map quest directions. He won't tell you how you're getting there. Um, and I spoke to the Lord. I said, how do I do this? And the Lord says, just go for it. And so I called Cindy's office and I'm 21 years old and they want to know my stats and they want to know who I am. I said, I'm nobody. I got no ministry. I preach a little bit. I just need you to come. And, and you know, of course she said no. <clears throat> And so, you know, I did what I was taught in ministry school. I called again. (laughs) And I called about, uh, close to about 10 times and put in about 10 invitations. And not within a year's period, within a month. (laughs) So they would say no, and then I'd start the process all over again. And we go for it. And finally, long story short, um, you know, I I have friends that have friends. And so I just like had some people kind of go around the system (laughs) and get to her. And she finally wrote me a letter and she said, well, I just feel like the Lord really wants me to come to San Francisco. I said, that's right. (laughs) And so she came to San Francisco and she preached one of the most amazing messages that I've ever heard for regional messages. And she talked about the redemptive gifts of the nation and the redemptive gifts of the region. And a lot of times as prophets, we will focus on the negative and what God isn't doing. And we'll forget about the giftings that the Lord has given us. And so you'll look at Korea and you'll talk about the spirit of mammon. And you'll talk about the Jezebel spirit. But you've got to remember that there is an anointing for intercession in Korea. There are redemptive gifts. There is anointing for missions. You guys are the second most seed sowing in all of the world. And so we talked about the redemptive gifts and we just saw some crazy stuff. And after that, now all the prophets have come through. We've had every major leader come through. You name that name and we have had them. Because what happened with the prophetic? See, here's the cool thing about the prophetic. And this isn't in the teaching. This is just for free. What happens with the prophetic? Elijah's walking by the house of the Shulamite. And finally the Shulamite recognizes his anointing. She opens up her house and she builds a room. For the prophet, and what happens? She got her miracle later on in life. What does the prophetic do? It, when you make room for the prophetic, you know what happens? There's a scripture that says, if you honor a prophet in the name of a prophet, you will receive the what? The prophet's reward. Okay, if that's my reward, I want to know what the prophet's reward was. 
Shulamite woman opens up her house for the prophet. And what happened? Years, not too far after that, her son dies. And the prophet comes and brings a miraculous. But this is how the prophet does it. He says, what can I do for you? You know what happens when you honor a prophet in the name of a prophet? God gives you a blank check. That's a really good word, Dell. That's you just you preaching good. Come on, that's no. It's too late. It's too late. I, I brought my own amens. It's okay. And so God opened up the heavens over our city when this message was preached. And then I got a couple messages back there. Um, this one is called "God Said It." That settles that. Now I was grew up. I grew up in church. How many people grew up in church? I heard this saying, and I don't know if you heard this saying. If God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. You ever heard that? Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just black church. I don't know. <laughs> but I grew up, and they said, God said it, that settles it, and I believe it. I found out that if God says it, whether I believe it or not, that still settles it. Yeah. And the problem with most of us is that we don't understand the character of God, and so we don't know that He's true, and that His word cannot return to Him void. That whatever he says, it has to come to pass. You say, it's impossible for God to lie. Well, it's not necessarily impossible to, for God to lie. You say, well, what if God said the sky is green? Well, by the time he finished eating, the sky would be green. You know why you've never seen, never seen a pink polka dotted elephant? Because God never said, let there be a pink polka dotted elephant. Oh, come on. I'm preaching real good right now. So this CD talks about Mark chapter 4, that if God said it, that means it's going to happen. And then I got another CD, and this is one of my favorite ones. This is the first message we ever preached out of the outpouring, and it's called an apostolic generation. Now let me tell you something, there is no baby Holy Spirit. I used to believe there's a Holy Spirit for the adult service, and then there's another Holy Spirit for the Korean ministry, and then there's another one for the EM ministry, which is the biggest one. Um, and then there's another Holy Spirit for the little kids, and it's the baby Holy Spirit. But I've come to find out the same Holy Spirit that rose Christ Jesus from the dead, it's the same Holy Spirit that this generation has access to. And so in this message, I talk about Daniel, and I talk about how Daniel radically changes an entire nation. Imagine, one man changes all of Korea. If you want to know how to do that, get the CD. <laughs> and then I have another message, it's called Recover All. This is one of my favorite messages. You know, I preach so good, sometimes I have to put my CDs on repeat. That's a joke, some of you are about to walk out. It's okay, just laugh. It's cool. You have permission to laugh in church. This message is called Recover All. It's taken from uh, Samuel chapter 29 where David comes back home. And, and the Bible says that everything in Ziklag, the place where he had lived, had been burned. But here's the part that really messed up David. The Bible says that his wives had been stolen. Now you messed with a couple things, but you didn't mess with David women. David loved his women. This is how much David loved his women. That when he got ready, when he had died, they had sent a beautiful woman in there to test to see if David would touch after her, you know, because David had that woman problem. Um, and and it, because, because David, this is in the Bible. I'm telling you, this is why I don't watch soap operas because I got the Bible. This beautiful woman comes into the room and, and the Bible says that David does not go after her and doesn't grope her. And so they say, the king must be dead. <laughs> So you didn't mess with David's women. And you know why spiritually, why David, if you equate it in the spiritual realm, because having, having a wife means that there is a possibility for fruit. And the problem with our generation is that there is a lack of fruit because there is a lack of intimacy. And so what the enemy has done is the same thing that he did in Samuel chapter 29. He's come into our comfortable places. 
And he has burned everything that he could do. And the Bible says that he had stolen the women, but he had not killed them. Let me tell you something. You may have been in the place where you have been dry and you have been dead, but you are not forgotten. It's not over. It's not hopeless. And the Bible talks about David going to get all of everything back. He didn't get some of it back. He didn't get a little bit of it back. He got all of it back. And I'm telling you, if you're a little cute Christian who doesn't like to pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Jesus. You're the lover of my soul. I just pray that you would end abortion in Korea, Lord. And that you would just touch the heart of the president, Lord. And yeah, Holy Spirit, yeah, if you like, just come in and just do whatever you want, you know. You know why there's cute Christians? Because they haven't encountered the God of war. And so in this message, I talk about that. Why don't you help me out? Why don't you just pass this out to a couple of people who want that? And if you really want it, just go buy it. There's more in the back. Just go buy it. Everything you purchase goes directly to our missions program in the Philippines. Are you ready for the word this morning? Now, I got some good news and I got some bad news. Which one do you want first? Okay, so the bad news, I've never preached this message before. So this could last, you know, 30 minutes, four hours. I'm not sure. But I got some good news. Korea has a cold stone. Glorious. I'm so tired of rice cake desserts. The other night, I don't know where we went, but after we ate, they took the rice and they added water and then they called it dessert. I was like, that's not dessert, that is demonic. And I come against it and cheese it. All my Americans say amen. Come on. Dessert is supposed to be sweet. Give me some sugar and butter. I didn't get this size by living by faith. Come on. Okay, now for the serious part of the word. I want to talk to you this morning about the Father's heart. Look at Malachi chapter 4, verse 6. Here's what it says. It says, He, who is He? Talk to me. Who is He? Who, who is He? Elijah. Elijah is a prophetic voice. Who does He represent? So God in actuality through, Elijah, through Malachi is saying, He will, ret- will turn the hearts of who? To who? Now, if, if the prophet has to say, God's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, what does that let you know? That lets you know that the hearts of the fathers were not turned to the children. He says, I will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And then he says, I'm going to do something else. I'm going to turn the hearts of the children to the fathers. Here's the thing. In a generational anointing, you cannot have the fathers turn their hearts to the sons without the sons turning their hearts to the fathers. But I want you to catch this in the way they present it. What comes first? Is it the hearts of the sons turning to the fathers? Or is it the hearts of the fathers turning to the sons? I always thought my whole life that rebellion was simply some young person who had a nugget head and a big head and wanted to do his own thing. And so he turned his heart against his parents. And that was rebellion. In actuality, it says the root of the problem is that there's no fathers. The Bible says something really interesting in the New Testament. He says, you've got a lot of teachers... But you don't have many fathers. What's the difference between a teacher and a father? A teacher will come and he will correct you and he'll tell you that that's wrong and he'll tell you that's right. But he has no true value or investment into your life. 
a, 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 a prophetic person who will stand in the place of a spiritual father. It's like Elijah and Elisha. See, most people think Elijah and Elisha had this discipleship relationship where they met once a week and they went over some scriptures and then they wrote notes about it and then they blogged on it. And, the, and you know, that was like, here's the example of discipleship. No, what was happening? The example of discipleship was simply that Elijah was walking with Elisha. And, and let me help you out. Most of us who think we're being discipled are not really being discipled. Most of us who are, think we're being discipled are not really being discipled. Because if you're just meeting with your pastor, but you have no real accountability, you're not being discipled. I'm going to wait for a couple more amens. Yes! And see, you've got to understand something. He says the first result of the blessing is that the hearts of the fathers turn to the sons. My, my grandmother, again, is black. In case you're not that prophetic and you don't have discernment. I was raised in a black household. I like soul food, not soul, Korea food, soul food. Fried, you know, I found out Koreans like the same thing. We like fried chicken, watermelon collard greens. You guys eat the same thing. We're cousins. But I was, I was a horrible kid growing up. You know what my grandmother would do after I did something wrong? I would get beat and then I would, because we didn't believe in spankings. <laughs> this was more warfare. It was a beating. She says, son, you're already black. I'm gonna make you blue. <laughs> I would get beat and then my grandmother would sit me in the corner and I would have to read scripture. And I couldn't just read scripture. I had to memorize verses and I had to tell her what they meant. People ask me all the time, Pastor Dell, how do you know so much scripture? But my grandmother loved one scripture before she got spanked. There was a couple of stupid sayings that my grandmother would say before she spanked me. She'd go, now this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. One of the days I wanted to get enough boldness to say, well, let me see that belt and let's try this out. I just want to say, I didn't have enough boldness though. But one of the things she would say, she said, son, you know, if I spare the rod, I'll spoil the child. Amen. I go, I hate that scripture. So I just mercy triumphs over judgment. I just like be praying all the mercy scriptures. I was an intercessor before I was swelled come against you and she said that but then she forgot the other part of the scriptures that says parents do not provoke your children to wrath you're saying what am i saying the responsibility of the there being sons in our generation is a responsibility of there being fathers the reason that so many children and so many young people are strung out on dope, are living loose lives, are selling their bodies. It's not because there's a lack of sons. It's because there's a lack of fathers. You know, growing up, why I didn't get into drugs, why I didn't get into all the other stuff that everybody else got into, it was because I was afraid that I was going to get beat. I had someone who needed to know where I was going to be, what time I was going to be, how I was going to get there, when I was going to get there, how much it was going to cost to get there. But you know what the problem is, Pastor Christian? Why there's not too many people who are discipling? Because it takes too much of our time. Because you can be a teacher and have you come to class once a week and bam, teacher-student relationship. But for me to be a father to you takes much more investment. It takes my money. If you could get pastors to reach into their bank account 
It takes my time and my resources. It takes me being uncomfortable. Elijah walked with Elisha. He went to the grocery store with Elisha. He prayed and interceded with Elisha. He prophesied with Elisha. He went out into the street and he would clean with Elisha. He did everything with Elisha. And when Elijah had to go up to meet with the Lord and his mantle fell, Elisha caught that mantle. And many of us think that we can receive someone's mantle simply by them laying it on of hands. I cannot receive this man of God, this man of God's anointing and his mantle just by having him lay hands on me and altar. I need to work with him. I need to know his struggle. I need to know where he comes from. I need to know what makes him upset. What makes him cry? What makes him happy? If I want a double portion of what he has, I need to start with a single portion. Good point. (laughs) There's always one. But the scripture doesn't stop there and you just give me another two hours and I'll be done. The scripture doesn't stop there. It talks about the hearts of the fathers turning to the sons. But he says the response of the hearts of the fathers turning to the sons is that there are going to be sons that turn their hearts to the fathers. You know the key to revival in this generation? Fathers. The key to the revival in this generation is fathers. Because I meet with young people who don't care anything about God, but they care something about me. They love me. They, they'll never see, see God. They'll, they'll never get to know Him until they get saved. But until they get saved, they know me. And most of us have looked at unbelievers and we've looked at people that we think we're going to disciple as ministry projects and not sons and daughters. Our generation has been looked at as ministry projects. We are the most statistically oriented generation that there is. You want statistics? I can tell you that one out of every four girls cuts themselves because they don't believe that they're beautiful. I can tell you that over three-fourths of women have had some sexual transaction with somebody in their household. I can tell you that over half of women in America have been molested or been groped by some man. I can tell you statistics. But you know the solution to statistics? Fathers. People who will choose to be invested in your life. And I'm telling leaders and pastors and prophets and apostles all across the land that before we could ever have sons, before we could ever have revivals, we've got to have some fathers. I don't want a prophet. I don't want another apostle. I don't want another evangelist. I'm tired of sitting in apostolic, prophetic, Episcopalian, Church of God in Christ, hold my donkey while I pray, church movements. I'm, I'm looking for fathers. I'm looking for people who will invest in this generation. Don't just come and preach at my church and think that that's it. It was actually really funny, Pastor Christian, when I began to minister. Because when I began to minister, nobody taught me the rules. I didn't go to seminary and I didn't know all the rules. I didn't know that you were supposed to sit up here in the holy man seats during service and not worship during worship. You just look at everybody else worship. So, you know, and so I'd be like snotting and crying and jumping. Lord, you are a good angel. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to step on your shoes. And I'll just go for it. Thank you, Jesus. Have somebody cut some drop dead person who used to live in revival but isn't living in revival now. Brother. Let me teach you something, brother. We're sitting up here and we're anointed men of God. And we need to be examples to the body of Christ. So you need to sit there and just be conservative. And so I was, I was young and stupid. I didn't know just to smack them all. Just, 
I'm telling you, see, here's one of the hardest demons you'll ever have to cast out. It's the spirit of stupid. Just spirit of stupid. I have tried to anoint it out, cast it out, tongue it out, kick it out. It just doesn't work. So I sat there, Pastor, and I sat there and I just, I, I was, I was trying to be obedient because it was a big, thousands of people. I, I didn't want to embarrass it. I was just going to preach and then leave that night. And so I just, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to the Lord. And then they sang my song. And oh yeah, she knows what I'm talking about. When, when they sing, you know, I'll never know how much it costs. And I'm looking. <laughs> See my sins upon. And then the choir that came in. And then they went, I'll never know. And before I knew it, I was on the floor rolling. <laughs> how much it costs. See my sins. And the ushers didn't know what to do because they didn't have blankets big enough for me. You know those holy men blankets? But you know what the problem is? That we have had people who have been teachers and not disciplers. People in this generation who have taught us things that have no value. I'm going to hurt some of you and understand that I don't have any problem with seminary. I think it's pointless and useless, but I don't have a problem with it. I, I don't, I don't. If that's what you're called to do. I have sat with I have sat with seminary teachers and professors and leaders who don't even believe in God. I have met people who go through seminary and they come out with less faith than they went in. And there's nothing wrong with the institution of seminary, but what are we causing seminaries to be? See, here's the thing. Our seminaries are set up to produce people who have occupations and not vocations. I'm not going to get an endorsement from Torch. It's cool. <laughs> we, uh, it was one of the saddest things. When my friends began to, get gradu- began to graduate from seminary, one of the best seminaries in the, in the Bay Area, they began to graduate from seminary, and they put their resume together, and then they go out and they post their resume, and they try to find different jobs at different churches. And I didn't grow up that way. I didn't grow up putting my job resume on Munster.com and hoping that I got a position. I didn't, ministry was never a job for me. Because I was discipled to understand that I go where I call, where I'm called. That's just, that's not even in my message. This is free. The result of seeing fathers turn to the sons is to see sons come back to the fathers. Then God says this interesting thing. He says, if it doesn't happen when I come back, I'm going to curse the land. What's the opposite of a curse? Blessing. A blessing. Now this is, some of you might not be that good at math, so I'm going to help you out. If, if turning the hearts of the fathers to the son and sons to the fathers, um, if that causes a blessing, me not turning the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the sons to the father, that probably causes a cursing. Just simple math, arithmetic right there. Yet the church doesn't get it. We, we spend our time. Watch this. I don't know how you guys do it in Korea, but this is how we do outreaches in, in America. We, we get $10,000 and we, um, we build a big stage in the middle of an urban area. And then we invite a really good Christian band. And then we get a couple Christian mimers. They're usually not that good. Um, and then I love mimers. I got nothing if they're good. And then we, 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 we pay for a really popular Christian speaker to come in. 
And this, this is our outreach. Who do you think is going to come? You guys are smart, awesome. And the church can't understand why our churches grow because of church transfer and not because there's be- people being added to the church. In the New Testament, my Bible says, maybe you have a different Bible, I don't know, but my Bible says, um, it says that when Peter preached, that the church was added to daily. Not from the church down the street. It were people who, who didn't know anything about God, didn't want anything to do with God. They encountered the Lord. But here's, here was the focus. It doesn't say that they said a prayer. It doesn't say that they were added to some church statistics of new members in the church. What does it say? It says, it says that they were added daily into the church. You know what that translates into when you do the original study? It talks about people coming into the house and being discipled. See, we write down somebody that says, you know, Lord, come into my heart, you know, save me, Jesus, and um, let me live, forever live in your kingdom, and thank you, Lord. And we, and we think that, that God's sitting in heaven like, yeah, he said it for the 25th time. I'm so happy. Why? Because we're focused on the outward, and so we focus on confession and not conversion. But in the biblical sense of the church being added to daily, it was always about conversion. But here's the problem again. Conversion takes investment. Let me do a quick poll. How many of you got saved in a Billy Graham crusade? Or something similar? Okay. How many of you got saved in a conference? Okay. How many of you uh, got saved because somebody gave you a track on the street? How many of you got saved because someone led you to the Lord that you knew? Raise your hand, please. Okay, put it back down. Let's try that one more time. How many of you got saved with a, by a crusade or a Billy Graham crusade or something like that? Okay. Conferences? Anybody? How many of you got saved because someone that you personally knew was an open door for you to come to receive the Lord? How many of you? Keep it up. Yet the church does not focus on this. Okay, thank you. You know why? Because it's investment. Turn to Luke chapter 2. I'm, I'm seriously almost done. I get three, three closes. And that counts as my first. <laughs> Last service I preached in in North Carolina was about seven hours long. And, and I left early. I said, Lord, I'm hungry. And, and not just for you. Luke chapter 2, verse 49. This is Jesus talking. He says, why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Now I want you to watch this. In in Malachi chapter 4, verse 6, the last thing God says is that I'm getting ready to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the sons. And then I'm going to turn the hearts of the sons back to the fathers. And then you're going to receive the blessing. For 400 years, God doesn't say anything. The last thing God says is that I'm going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the hearts of the sons to the fathers. He does not say anything. 400 years. Recorded history. God says nothing. And for the first time in 400 years, we find where it is recorded 
that God on earth in the person of Jesus says something after 400 years. How many people know that if you haven't said anything for 400 years, the first thing you're recorded in saying is probably going to be really important. Maybe just a little bit important. Look at what Jesus says right here, verse 49. Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my master's house? Wait, wait a minute. Wait, wait. Uh, didn't you know that I had to be in my Lord's house? Maybe that's not it again. Hold on, let's see. Didn't you know I had to be in Adonai's house? No. Wait, wait a minute. What does that say? Didn't, didn't you know I had to be in whose house? Father's For centuries, they had never known God really as Father. They had known him as Lord. They had known him as Jehovah Jireh. They had even known him as Yahweh because they weren't even allowed to say his name. Jesus comes on the scene and he presents this example to the people and he says, no longer are you going to know God as God. Watch this. But you're going to know him as Father. Amen. But watch this. It's not just a literal translation of Father. It is the translation that means Abba. You know what Abba comes from? It's when the little kid in the Hebrew language would begin to say Father. And he couldn't fully say it. And he was saying, Abba. It's, it's like when in English, when you're, when you're learning how to say father, or you don't say father. <laughs> mother. What do you say? He says, Dada. Dada. Jesus comes on the scene and he says, you're not going to know him as Lord, Savior, or anything like that. You're going to know him as Mary's looking around and said, where's Jesus? Oh my God, I had, I had one thing to do in my whole life and I lost the Messiah. Oh my God. Wait till I tell Joseph I have lost the Savior of the world. Oh my gosh. Have you seen Jesus? Have you? What Jesus? Oh. She comes to the sanctuary, finds Jesus there and was like, oh my God. This, I found out that that's how Korean like people learning English say, oh my God. They say, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> Side note. Okay, God doesn't like that. <laughs> she comes and she goes, Jesus, Jesus, what, what are you doing? I've been looking for you all day. I, I've, I've asked your cousin where you are. Your aunt doesn't know where you are. Where have you been all day? And Jesus looks at her and says, Woman? <laughs> now, if Mary was a black woman... <laughs> Savior or no Savior? <laughs> we would have not had a crucified lamb. He looks at her and says, Woman, didn't you know that I would be in Dada's house? And Mary, in her anger and in her fury, looking for Jesus, here's Jesus says those words and, and is reminded of why he came. Didn't you know that I wouldn't be in ministry and I wouldn't be busy graduating from Bible college and I wouldn't be get busy getting people saved all across the world and preaching in as many churches as I can preach in and building orphanages and, and those things are great. But didn't you know that my place is not to be anything but Abba's son? Amen. If I could get this message to a generation that you're not a pastor 
You haven't been ordained to be apostle. You haven't been ordained to be an event. You have been ordained to be a son. Jesus comes up from the, the water after he's getting baptized by John the Baptist. The Bible says that he gets out of the water and the heavens open and outpours the voice of God. And I love what it says. It says he came down. He came down. The Holy Spirit came down like a dove. How would you walk if you had a dove on your shoulder? Would you, would you run and fidget? Or, this is how I would walk if I had a dove. I probably wouldn't have a dove, but still. You walk with gentleness and you walk with meekness and you you walk acknowledging the fact that you're carrying something very sensitive and you, you don't want to offend him and you don't want him to run off and so so you don't steal from your work and you don't you don't cuss everybody out that you want to and you don't you don't have malice in your heart because you're sensitive of who's sitting on your shoulder Bible says that the heavens open, God speaks to him, and he doesn't say to him, he doesn't say, hey, you're doing a great job, you're getting ready to go into ministry, so, like, I, I need you to know, here's what you got to do, here's how you preach your three-point sermons, here's, make sure that when you have a service, it's two hours uh, long, and if anybody goes over, just like, get them off of your staff, because you want to make sure everybody's, you want to be seeker sensitive and not Holy Spirit sensitive. That's usually why I don't get invited back more than once to speak. <laughs> and for the longest, when I'd read that portion of scripture, one translation, it says, God looks down and he says, You are my son who I'm well pleased. I had thought he had said, This is my son. But God speaks directly to Jesus. He says, You are my son. What's the problem? Most of us live from this is my son and not enough from you are my son. Amen. You know what the difference is between this and you? The difference is, this is my son, means it's indirect. That God's not talking directly to you. You are my son, means I mean, I'm talking, I'm talking to you. My grandmother, when I was in, when I was just four, uh, eight years old, I would sit in the stand, and we had a large church, and she would be in the choir, and I would know, me and my brother, we'd be messing around and jerking off and screwing over, you know, and just messing up, and then, and then all of a sudden, we wouldn't even have to look to the choir stand, we would just feel something. And I look at him and say, you feel that? <laughs> so I say, uh-huh, I feel that. That's not the Holy Spirit, is it? Uh-uh. And we slowly turn our head, and we look that way, and we see our grandma. <laughs> and we knew exactly who she was talking to. My grandmother was not, you know, she, and this is in front of 800 people. She's, <laughs> Normal people would send a note through the usher and say, can you just slap him upside the head and then give him this note? No. There was a relationship of closeness that me and my grandmother had. But let me tell you something. That's how violent God is about getting his love to you. He's sitting up there saying, oh, I just love you. I just want to kick you. I love you so much. I just, oh, I just want to love you. I just want to, I just want to. You know what it actually says? When the Bible says, and you look up the text, it says, a voice came from heaven. You know, I, I read, I love looking up the original language because it enlightens me. When I looked up the original language, it doesn't even translate to a voice came from heaven. You know what it translates to? 
a refreshing glass of water was poured out. I find it interesting that God would pour out a refreshing glass of water that says, you are my son, who I'm well pleased, right before Jesus would go into the desert for 40 days. You know why people burn out? Because they haven't drank. I preached a sermon one time. I said, it's time to get drunk. Let me, let me tell you something. The devil cannot create. He can only manipulate. So, so why are people stuck in lust? Because they are stuck in a perverted love. Why are they stuck, strung out on drugs? Because there's an ecstasy that they're looking for that they can only find in God. And the Father is saying, if you could ever get hooked on me, if you could ever get addicted to me, he's, the Father is saying that before you ever go out and do ministry, this is before Jesus ever walks on water, or before he ever heals the man with the blind eyes, or before he ever says to blind Bartimaeus, you can see, before he ever says to the woman with the issue of blood, you have been made completely whole, before he ever goes over the young child and sees him completely healed with his three closest friends there, before he ever walks on water, or before he ever flies, Jesus flew into the air. Before he ever does any of that, God says, you're getting ready to do some good stuff. And I'm, but, but let me tell you something. If you ever mess up, if you ever screw up, if people start hating you and they start disliking you because you're going to have some hard times, I just need you to remember something. You're my son. Amen. Listen, listen. Before you could ever mess up, some of you are sitting in this room and you feel so bad every time you sin and every time you screw up. But the Father's looking down at you and He says, I picked you before you ever can mess up. I knew you were going to screw up. I knew you were going to cuss them out. I knew you were going to have hard times. I knew you were going to have bad days. I knew you were going to have some days where you cheated on your fast. Don't look at me like that. Let me close here. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever shall believe in Him shall not perish, but they will have everlasting life. I talked to the Lord one time and I said, Lord, I said, Lord, You love me so much that You, you didn't, you just, you just gave everything You had. I said to the Lord, because, you know, I talked to the Lord like this. I said, Lord, come here. I've known this scripture ever since I was a little kid but there's, there's a piece I'm missing here I know how much you love me but I need to know why do you love me because, because love is, is based on, on something it's motivated by something and the Lord spoke to me in the scripture again and I went back and I said for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son okay he loved the world and in result of loving the world, he gave, okay? But why did he give? Because he loved. Why did he love? For God so loved the world. I, I, after reading it a couple times, I, I begin to realize there's no reason. He, he just says, I so love you. I said, I said, Lord, okay. You so love me, but there's no reason. He said, yeah, because if there was a reason why I loved you, there would be a reason why I loved you less. 
Wherever there's a black, there's a white. Wherever there's yin, there's yang. Wherever there's good, there's evil. It's just the law. And he says, Marcus, if I loved you because you have on a blue shirt, the day you did not wear a blue shirt, I would be forced in principle to love you less. And most of us think that God loves us based on motivation. And so we go around and we're trying to see how many services we can show up to and how loud we can speak in tongues and how many tongues and syllables we can speak per hour. And we're trying to figure out what we can do because all we want to do is please the Lord. And the Lord says, I already know you. The Lord says, I, I, I'm really trying to close. I promise. I'm really trying to close. Oh, come on. The Lord says, Pastor Christian, you hire people. I hire people in our church. And one of the things I have to look at when I hire people, we get their resume and we look over the resume and we do credit checks. We do. We want to know what relationships we were in. We want to know how you steward your money. We want to know everything about you if we're going to pay you. And we look over that and we, we, we hire some amazing people. But pastor... And doing all of your research, and we use discernment, we speak in tongues, we do all of it. We and pick. You never know what you got until you get it. That one guy come in, and he was an amazing guitarist, and we were hiring him to be on the worship team, and we were going to do all this great stuff, and he just had an amazing resume. But, but he forgot to put on his resume that he is apathetic, he's lazy. There's nobody ever puts those on the resume. Um, that he was late over 50% of the time. Um, that he was not accountable. Because everybody puts their best. It's like, don't look at me like that. It's like when you go date that person. Ladies, you know you're as hungry as we are. But you sit there and you take one bite. Oh, I'm stuffed. I just don't, I just don't think I can. And so the guy looks at you and he's like, she took one bite. That cost me fifty dollars. Can we get that to go? Fellas, what we don't know, because I counsel these girls all the time, they're just as hungry as you are. But they want to present to you that you're going to have this Coke bottle shaped woman all their life. And so they're like, "Mm, that's all I eat for the rest of our life, honey. This is it right here. How many people know some of these women turn from Coke bottles to milk bottles real easily? Not all of them. Like this beautiful woman of God. This beautiful woman of God. Not that I'm looking. Not that I'm looking. You say, Pastor Del, where are you going with this? And me trying to hire everyone, I'm trying to figure out who they are so that I know what I'm getting so that when I hire them, I understand that what I hired was what was on their resume. But they forget to always leave their flaws. But here's the cool thing about God, that before the worlds were created, He says in Jeremiah that I knew you. I knew your flaws. I knew your mess-ups. I knew your screw-ups. I knew that you couldn't hang in prayer. I knew that you wouldn't be a believer until you got old. I knew everything about you. I knew that you would fall into sin. I knew you would have a struggle with depression. I knew that you would have a struggle with homosexuality. But before all of that, I still picked you. Listen, listen, listen. You did not choose him. He chose you. He, He chose you. He chose you before you knew yourself. For 400 years, God didn't speak. 400 years. For 400 years, God didn't speak. 400 years. And the first thing he says, 
said it's all about the father-son relationship. I want you to just put your Bible close it because the Holy Spirit is in here right now. Some of you have struggled all your life with understanding God as a father. And every time you mess up, all you can see is God standing in the middle, waiting to beat you down and waiting to take you down. But let me tell you something, friend. God knew you would mess up before you could ever think about messing up. And he still came to say that I love you. And you know why he loves you? There's absolutely no reason why he loves you. He simply loves you because he loves you, 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 because he loves you. And I I know the situation with you and your parents and how everything didn't go right. No music, please. I know how your parents may have messed you up or may have beaten you and you may have had an abusive relationship. But let me tell you something. There is something different that God wants to do here today and He wants to give you a revelation of His love. Just put your hand over your heart. No music. I'm just looking all across this room. The Holy Spirit's coming in and He's going to show you the Father's love. Some of you have been in a dry place and you've been in a season where it's hard. And you wonder if you're ever appreciated or whether you'll ever make it. And, you, and sometimes you, you pray and it just feels like the prayers stop at the ceiling. And sometimes it feels like... Sometimes it feels like... Like there's no one to run to. And, and yeah, you, you worship and, and yes, you, you pray and, and you seek the Lord. But there's, there's some times where you just don't feel His presence. And, and, and it's always in the middle of that time where you need to feel His presence most. This morning, the Spirit of the Lord wants to let the Father's love sweep in. And I guarantee you that if you close your eyes and you focus on the Father, He's going to sweep in with a presence that you've never felt before. <sighs> You can just rest in the Father's arms. Because you're not abandoned and you're not forsaken. You've been grafted in by the grace of God. And though you've struggled and though you've hurt, he says, you're still mine today. Because you're my son. You're my daughter, and I long to be called your father. You're no more an orphan. You're no more an orphan. You've not been left to die. See, I'm looking at it all across this room. The Holy Spirit is sweeping in with a love. Some of you leaders, you just need to get engulfed in the Father's love. You just need to have Him take you over. Some of you have known Him as Savior and you've known Him as Messiah, but you're going to know Him as the Father. He hasn't come to abuse you. He hasn't come to mess you up. See, I know your parents told you when you got an A that you needed to get an A plus and that you could do better and you were never appreciated. But right now, the father is going to come in and he says, I'm a father to the fatherless. 
I'm a father to the fatherless. If you got to go, you can go. It's, you, it's fine. But the, the Lord is in here to do something different this morning. Because we could shout and we could yell and we could do all that stuff. And I've got no problem with it. But what the Lord wants to do this morning is He wants to come and wrap you in His arms. He wants to wrap you. Jesus came on the scene and the most important thing he could find to say is that I'm not, I'm not a worker. I'm, not, I'm, a, I'm, I'm the son of my father. I'm my father's child. Some of you have never heard your father say, I love you. Hmm? You've never heard your mother say, I love you. Some of you have come out of broken and abused relationships. Some of you have secrets in your past that you're so ashamed of because they did something to you that no person should ever do. Mm -hmm. But right now, the Lord's going to wipe away all your shame. Mm -hmm. You know what's happening? You're becoming the first fruits of an entire nation. It's getting ready to experience the Father's love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, let the love of the Father let it arise today. Oh, let the love of the Father that's it. let it arise today. Oh, let the love of the Father, let it arise today. Son, you know why um, the Holy Spirit is all over you this morning. It's because He is raising you up to be a father to the fatherless. Mm-hmm. You know, see, you struggled with understanding your purpose and your destiny. And yeah, right now you're just in that season where you say, Lord, what am I called to do and where am I going? Um, and you've just kind of felt not aimless or confused, but you just kind of felt like, man, Lord, I, I don't know exactly where I'm going. But the Lord has come this morning to say, I'm going to use your testimony and your past to make you a father to the fatherless. Mm. Mm. The Lord says, you're going to receive spiritual orphans. Mm. Yeah, just let the Father come. Just let His love come. Don't worry about the time. Just forget about it all. Just You've got nothing better to do. Just, just come on and let Him do His work. Let Him come and minister to you. Because I'm telling you, if we're ever going to see revival in Korea, it's going to have to come from sons and daughters. Some of you leaders are struggling right now because you, you haven't been able to receive the Father's love. But right now, if you'll just open it up and just say, Lord, I want to receive your love, Father. Father, I want to receive your love. Some of you have struggled with depression right now, but it's going to sweep out with the Father's love. Mm. Oh, just let the love of the Father. Let it go, let it go, let it go. Let it go. Just let it go. Just let it go. Let the Lord break everything. Let Him break everything. Just let the Lord have it. 
Just let the Lord have it. Some of you have been stifled in businesses and dreaming and you can't dream because you've been so wounded. The Lord says he's going to do a fresh work this morning. There's the Spirit of the Lord's all over you. And he says, I'm going to do a fresh work over you. I'm going to, the Lord says, I'm going to sit you before princes and kings. Hmm. He says, there's something great on you. You know, daddy's so proud. Daddy's so proud of you. Yeah, don't, don't think about your mess ups. Don't think about it right now. Just know, just know daddy's so proud. He's so proud of you. Mm-hmm. Daddy's so proud of you. That's it. Just let the Holy Spirit do it. I want to do one more thing before we go. I want you just real gently just to stand to your feet. Just real gently just stand to your feet. Real gently. Again, if you got to go, you just go for it. Just lift your hands and just receive the Father's love. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. Just let the Father's love come. Just let the Father's love come. Just like, come on. That's it. Marcus, the Lord calls you a father to the fatherless. He says that I'm going to use you to bring healing to the brokenhearted. There's some brokenness in your past and the Lord has created a testimony in you. But the Lord says, I'm not done. That the best is yet to come. The Lord says, I'm going to give you a heart for the orphans. He says, I'm going to give you the heart for the orphans. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, Shabbos. Give us your heart. Give us your heart. I want the young man with the red jacket just to come down. Yeah, yeah. Come, come. Hmm, hmm, hmm. I want this lady with the black to come down right here, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just keep playing that over. Oh, yeah. Oh, your love is better than life to me his love
You say, Dell, what's the Lord doing? He's just pouring into you. You know what the Lord's doing? He's opening up the heavens and he's pouring out a glass of water. And he's saying, you know what? You right there, I, lo- I love you so much. I-, I really like you. There's nothing you can do wrong. There's no height, no depth that can separate me. You say, Lord, where am I going? You said, Lord, look at my past. You said, Lord, I feel like I have nothing to offer. But the Lord says that I'm looking at you. He says that I'm looking at you. You know, the Lord just, he just tells me that he's winking at you. (laughs) He's winking at you. You're going to feel the pleasure of the Lord. I don't know if you know this, but he sings over you with songs of rejoicing. And he dances over you so violently. And the Lord says, I'm filling you up with new joy, with new joy. I'm filling you up with new joy, with new joy. Um, sister, I want you to come, 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 come. One of you guys, come, 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 come. Come, I want you to lay your hands on her stomach. And the Spirit of the Lord is just going to fill you up with joy right now. Joy, joy. He's going to break, he's going to break the thing that has blocked the joy. He's going to fill you up with joy. Come on, just lift your voice and begin to sing to the Lord. Just begin to sing to the Lord. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Come on, come on. Just sing out to the Lord. Even if you're not on key, just sing to the Lord. Come on, I'm telling you, if you'll sing to the Lord, He'll break through. Ha <laughs> Come on, what would happen if every person sang the song of the Lord? If you don't know what to sing, just sing Jesus. Because it's the name that breaks every stronghold. It's the name of our Father. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, oh, oh, I love the name of Jesus. And the Spirit of the Lord says, there's more in you than you know. All of that creativity and ingenuity. There's something in you about a school. What's that? The Lord says, there's something in you about a school. See, the Lord says, you're going to get your mind out of your past. Because there is a future that the Lord has prepared for you. And I see you, I don't know what this is exactly, but I see you raising up a school. I see schools because the Lord's going to call you to the orphans. And the Lord's given you this compassionate heart for the broken. Hmm. 
You're not going to live in yesterday. Because there's hope for your tomorrow. There's joy for all your sorrows. I want you guys to try this with me. I want you to stretch your hands this way. The Holy Spirit is just going to overwhelm her. Ha-ha. He got you. I want this girl in the plaque. Come quick, quick, quick. Yeah. This is why I cannot serve Buddha. <laughs> he's got no power. And he's got no presence. No, no. We're just about done. Don't worry. There's this teaching thing on you. Um... It's not just a job, but it's a calling. There's a calling on you for teaching. You just have a heart to teach and to edify. But the Lord shows me that um, this thing on you is for the nations. There's a heart in you for the nations. The Lord says, I don't know if you have a passport, but you get your passport ready. Because the Lord's going to send you to nations. And I literally, I can see you literally. I can see you holding the orphan. And I can see you wrapping your arms around it. And as you would begin to wrap your arms, it's like you would break the shame. You would break the shame. Because hmm. in your arms are arms of love. Just lift them up. Oh. In those arms are arms of freedom. And yeah, the Lord says you're an intercessor too. There's an intercession thing on you. Oh. And the Lord says... um. You're not just going to teach children, but you're going to, you're going to teach them even how to intercede. I don't know if you know this, but there's something inside of you that's way bigger than you. It's way bigger than you. And, and you're going to be one of those people that when you become old in life, you're going to have daughters and sons, spiritual daughters and sons, and spiritual grandchildren and spiritual great-grandchildren. Because there's an inheritance that the Lord has stored up for you. And the Lord says... Even what the enemy came to steal before you were in the age of 20. What the enemy came to steal. The Lord says, I'm going to repay back seven times. And he's wiping away the memories of your past. Just stretch your hands this way. The Lord says, I'm going to heal. I'm going to heal. Oh, oh, let him sing over you. 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 Ho, break. Shout. Come on, just all over this room. One more time. Just lift your hands. And just sing to the Lord. Just sing Jesus. Well, come on, just sing Jesus. Just sing it out. Just sing Jesus. Come on, just sing it out. Just sing Jesus. Come on, break every stronghold. Sing Jesus. Just sing Jesus. Listen, listen, listen. 
I don't know if you were here this morning, but the Lord did something in, in intercession and in our time of prayer. Where he began to speak, and I even wrote it down, the Lord began to speak about the spirit of Jezebel. And how, new, how Korea was getting ready to come into a new season. Where the Lord was going to begin to tear down the intimidating spirit of Jezebel. And that he was going to raise up in Elijah. And as I began to pray and I began to seek the Lord even before service. I felt like what the Lord said is that you're going to begin to hear talk of intercession and the Father's heart. And you're going to see movements go across this nation about intercession and Father's heart. Because the Lord spoke to us this morning that this was the beginning of a new war. Against everything. I don't know if you know this, but the suicide rate in Korea is coming down. Down. But here's how we're going to do it. And I, there's, <sighs> I think about a little kid named David that I met in the Philippines a couple of years ago. And he's, five, he's 10 years old, but he's about as big as a 5-year-old because he's malnourished. And for most of his life, he's been locked up into a in a cupboard for 20 to 23 hours out of every day. He escaped and ran to our orphanage and got totally, completely restored and and totally nourished. But I I thought about when I first met David after he had run away and I would reach my hands out to go and give David a hug. And with all the fear that he could muster up, he would get so scared and he'd clench. And I couldn't understand Until I began to understand that he had been so abused that he didn't know how to receive love. And most of us in our church life, we have been so taught that God is an abusive God. That he's mad at us and that he's angry. Well, I got good news. God is in a good mood. And he loves you because he loves you because he loves you. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. And you know, I gotta I really gotta go and and it's like I'm gonna hang out at the book table and all that stuff, but before we go, before I get off of here, I just want you to just with all the freedom you can muster up, just just sing Jesus. I want you to pretend like there's no one else in the room. Sing Jesus. Come on, pretend like it's just you and him. Just sing Jesus. Come on, just sing it out. Just sing Jesus. It's just you and Him. 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 There's nobody else. It's just you and Him. Come on, lift up your voice. A couple more minutes. Just sing it out to the Lord.
The Word of God says in Romans 8.15, God has not given you a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. He's given you the spirit of sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. God is our Father here today. He is our Papa, our Daddy, our Appa. God doesn't want us just to start here. He wants us just to stay here. Stay in the Father's house. I was in Tegu yesterday. Um, went down to city of Tegu is where my family, my father's side of the family is to celebrate Korean Thanksgiving. And uh, Aaron and I, we got to sleep over one of my uncle's place, places, his apartment. He had just moved to a really nice uh, 52 Pyeong apartment, really brand new, beautiful four bedroom apartment. And what I noticed was my uncle never came home that night when we slept over on Friday. He never came home. And uh, I heard that he rarely comes home. He spent all this money to buy his family a house. And he just never comes home. And I was just starting to ask God, well, why is my uncle that way? And then I looked at his sons. He has two sons. Their name is Chu Young and Ha Young. And I noticed that there was such an, a coldness about them. Every time I see them, it's like I have to start all over again. I, I've known them for so many years. We've gone to the Daegu's equivalent of Everland, which is Ubang Towerland. And, you know, we've hung out. I've loved on them. But every time I see them, it's like I got to meet them for the first time all over again. And I was just kind of asking God, well, why is it that my cousins... They don't know how to receive love. And it all pointed back to my uncle. Because he doesn't know how to give love. He was never loved himself. And although my two cousins, they have a father who provides for them. They don't really know their father as a father. And um, I looked at my other cousin. And although he's a little brighter, I realized that he has a very estranged relationship with his father as well, which is my Kunapa. And then I look down the family line, I look at my Chaganapa, my other uncle. And he's got two sons that are so estranged, so distant from their father. 
And I had these questions on my mind. I'm praying for the revival of my family, the salvation of my family. And uh, right here during the service, I felt like as Pastor Dell was preaching this message, I felt like God was saying, look at your cousins, look at your uncles. This is the orphan spirit. Even though these, these sons have fathers, they are still orphans. And this is the nation of Korea. What you see in your father's side of the family, this is the nation of Korea. And God, I felt like he was pointing me to what Pastor Doe prophesied this morning. That a God is going to start to release a spirit of adoption across this nation. And I believe that that's where the most effective and most powerful and most wonderful spirit-filled ministers are going to come out of. From the place of sonship. From the place of knowing God as Father and discipling others with that fatherly heart and investment. And of course, this all comes back to me because my youngest uncle, he, uh, the people say that he most resembles my own personal father. And uh, what you don't know about Dell, what he didn't share during his preaching is that his mother passed, passed away when he, he was only four years old. And his father took off when he was young. So Dell, Dell never grew up with a father. And for myself as well, I grew up, I had my father in the house physically, but he was just not there. He was never there. And then in ninth grade, when he took off and he separated from my mom, it wasn't a big change for me because my father was just never there. And I look at Marcus as well, and he's got a similar story. His father never owned up, never took care of him. And I look around at us three pastors here, these three ministers, and asking God, why are you using us? Why would you use me to try to teach people about a father's heart? I don't know anything about this. I didn't experience this. I feel like God's just saying, get ready for, get ready for the ride. Because when that spirit of the adoptions releases, sweeps across this nation, it's going to touch this nation. It's going to touch your father's side of the family. And it's going to touch you. And Christian, you're going to be that much more of an effective and powerful minister and discipler and pastor. Because you're going to be serving from the place of sonship. You're going to be serving from the place of knowing me as father. I don't know. It was really clear to me. All that just now was really clear to me as, as Del was preaching. And, um... I think this is a, a, a wonderful prophetic message that is being released at this hour. And uh, I do believe that God is going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons. And then the sons to the fathers. And I believe that in particular this nation of Korea is going to be radically revived. Radically revived. Hallelujah.